The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Good morning, Tucson, and welcome to the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this Wednesday morning, January the 26th, 2022. It is 7.02 on your Tucson Wednesday morning. We are live here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. We are Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Thank you for tuning in this morning. Uh, I'm not going to sugarcoat this. It is not going to be a festive day on the Jeff Dean Show for the next two hours. There is, uh, I was just having some discussion with Mary off the air before the show, doing some show prep and talking about what we're doing today. And it's uh, it's it's not a bright day in in uh, in sports, at least here on the Jeff Dean Show. There are probably going to be other people across the country that are celebrating today because of uh, not only the uh, outcome of the big basketball game last night, but also the outcome of the Hall of Fame voting. There are some people that are going to be celebrating that. We are not going to be celebrating either of those today. We will be talking about them at length, however, uh, in today's show. Of course, the basketball game last night, Arizona loses to UCLA. We will get into that. And uh, listen, I'm not going to just, I'm not going to beat it up. I'm not going to sit here and and try to analyze what happened. We know what happened, uh, but we will talk about it. I'll share some opinions and what Arizona can do to bounce back from this. We will be talking the Hall of Fame today. As David Ortiz gets in on the first ballot, he's the only player inducted into this class of the Hall of Fame uh, as a first ballot inductee. And off the ballot now for good are the likes of Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Kurt Schilling, Sammy Sosa also, you know, thrown in that list. Not that he was, I I don't think most people would consider him to be a Hall of Fame caliber player. Certainly put up some numbers, but was one of those guys that like, all right, you know, he, he, he started to be good during the steroid era. Like before that, he was just a player with a good arm and, uh, you know, below average defense. So we will be talking about the Hall of Fame. I have a lot of opinions, and I was talking with Mary about this. Look, I, I've, been, I've been championing the cause for the likes of Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens for the last 20 years. And I mean literally the last 20 years for the – the last several years of their careers for the five years between their retirement date and the date that they became first eligible for the Hall of Fame and then the last decade of voting for them in the Hall of Fame. It has been something that I have done every single year this time. I mean, not just this time. For the last 10 years, it's always been around this time of the year because that's when the, the Hall of Fame voters get together and decide who's in and who's out. Um, but it's, it's been a, it's been a, a real topic of discussion for me over the years in my career here in sports radio. And I definitely have some very strong opinions about, uh, what went down, what, uh, what transpired yesterday in the uh, major league baseball hall of fame. So we'll be talking about that. Uh, Sean Payton, there was some rumors floating around. I know that Jay Glazer had gone on the air on the, uh, the Fox morning show on Sunday, and just kind of dropped a little hint and basically saying that there are a couple of head coaches that are essentially just worn out like they're they're tired they are they are worn out from the covid era of of football um and from from other things as well and 
he said, I, I wouldn't be surprised to hear a couple of retirements coming up in this early in this offseason. Well, one of the guys that Jay is really, really close with is Sean Payton. They vacation together. Like, they're good friends. So on that note, it was like I, I didn't – I glossed over it at the time. I was like, oh, you know, okay, sure. I mean, Jay is my source. Like, he's, like, he's the guy. He's the guy that I trust as far as, like, insider information and stuff. There's a lot of guys out there that purport to have the inside information, whether it be, uh, you know, um, Schefter or Mike Florio or whomever. Jay Glazer's the dude. Like, that's the guy that has earned my trust over the years. That guy nails it, and he he does it in in the right way. Um, But he and Peyton have been friends for decades. Like, literally, their families vacation together. Um, and I should have known at that point in time that he was talking about Sean Payton. I completely glossed over it. I also think he's talking about Bruce Arians, um, whom he and Jay are close as well. But that's for another time. Sean Payton up and retires from the New Orleans Saints. He's got three years left on his contract. There were discussions that possibly he could be involved in a trade because he's still under contract, so he'd have to be traded to another team if he wants to take on another job. I don't think it's going to happen right away. I know a lot of people are like, oh, he's going to be up for the Dallas job. They're going to fire Mike McCarthy tomorrow. I, I, I just don't, don't think it, – it, it's not that clean. He's not a, he's not a free agent coach right now. Um, I, I legitimately think look, Sean Payton is a – he's a football coach. He loves to coach football. He's, the, he's one of the best minds, you know, as far as like X's and O's goes and scheming and things like that in the, in the, entire, in the entire country as far as, as far as football goes. If he were still interested in coaching, he would just stay at New Orleans. But I think the timing was right. You know, the the, the COVID. The, 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 we here in Arizona have I've been dealing with COVID in different ways than other parts around the country. I mean, everybody, you know, whether it be California to New York to Florida to Texas to you know Minnesota, Wisconsin, the Midwest, and you know Hawaii, and I mean all every every state has dealt with it differently and people have had to deal with covid in many many different ways regarding where they live where they work new orleans has been one of the more challenging cities one of the more challenging areas in this country over the last two years in regards to covid covid restrictions and uh covid outbreaks and and all kinds of different things so sean payton has dealt with it on a different level than we have here in tucson or the state of arizona or wherever it's been a little different for him um, and also, it does help that he doesn't have a quarterback to coach next year. And watching the NFL playoffs, I'm sure he's like, gosh, it sure would be nice to have one of these guys because, I, listen, you know, I'm 58 years old. I deserve, after having coached Drew Brees to a Hall of Fame career over all that time and when he was thrown to the scrap heap from San Diego, and uh, I deserve another guy to, to finish out my career with. And I think Honestly, that's what swayed his decision more than anything. To be honest with you, New Orleans is not in a in a, in a situation to be bringing in, uh, you know, a bright young quarterback right now. There's seventy five million dollars over the cap. I mean, legitimately seventy five million over the cap right now. They've got a lot of decisions to make in New Orleans and how they're going to construct their team for the upcoming season. So, it was the right time for him to step away. He'll probably do television for a year. And then we'll see him in the coaching ranks somewhere again next season. Where he ends up, I don't know. I know that he and Russell Wilson have wanted to hook up, uh, or at least Russell. At least there was there was open uh, discussion from Russell Wilson about wanting to play for Sean Payton. I don't know if the feeling was mutual, 
but there are certainly some some good quarterbacks around the league that are playing with aging coaches or playing on a situation where uh, on a team where they they may be playing on a different team in the 2023 season so that may entice Sean Payton to uh, to go and, and move and work with there. Would you know is Dak Prescott uh, the kind of quarterback that he wants to work with for the you know for the remainder of his career in Dallas? Does he want to work in Dallas? He lives in Dallas. Does he want to work there too? These are all questions that will be determined. But listen, I, I wanted to talk about this because it is news and it was surprising breaking news yesterday when he re- when he essentially retired from coaching, retired from the NFL. Uh, but I don't expect anything to happen. I really don't until he announces that or, you know, somebody announces, a network announces that he's going to be joining them as an analyst, a studio analyst or whatever have you, um, or for even for possibly for games. Remember, this is, you know, some of the greatest minds in the history of football. I'm, I'm just going to point to Bill Walsh. I was reminded over the weekend. I was talking with my buddy who's a huge Bills fan. We were hanging out watching some football. And we were talking about some of the great Bills playoff games, you know, from the 90s when they were, you know, when they went to four consecutive Super Bowls. And we were talking about the AFC Championship game, the, the kind of the clunker between the Bills and the, the Denver Broncos and the, in the 1991 season, the game that ended like 13-10. to 10, And it was John Elway versus Jim Kelly, and nobody could move the football. And it wasn't bad weather or anything. And he says, you know, it was. it's interesting. He goes, Bill Walsh was the color analyst for that game. And I, you know, I was like, oh, that's right. He was a color analyst. He, he retired from football and decided to be a color analyst. I think it was for two seasons on CBS. He worked with Dick Enberg on CBS. It was a great, you know, a, a, a great experience because, I mean, listening to Bill Walsh analyze two football teams was, it was pure magic. But then he took the Stanford job. He was like, no, nah, I need to get back into coaching. It doesn't last long for these guys, these diehards. These, they're coaches. They're not, they're not analysts. They're not personalities. They are coaches, and it won't take them long before they get back in there. Sean Payton is that guy. Sean Payton is a coach. He is a great personality as well, but he is not destined for the remainder of his career in television. He is destined to be another great coach at a successful job somewhere. It just won't be this year. So we'll keep an eye on that. We'll also keep an eye on the Bruce Arian situation. Things are... Things are changing in Tampa, and I also have my opinion on what I think Tom Brady will do, what Tom Brady should do um, down in Tampa, and with with his career coming to a uh, coming to a close potentially in a year or less, uh, possibly for Tom Brady. So we will talk about that as well. Um, I also teased over the uh, over the uh, the promotion or the the promotion the uh, the 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 yeah the promo I guess is what you want to call it overnight uh, about. My pick for the the best young quarterbacks in the league. I just be honest with you. I don't have that prepared yet. I mean, I could go off the top of my head, but I'd like to kind of put together a comprehensive list and put that together for you. I just with other work and then watching that basketball game last night until eleven thirty. Uh, <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I'm on the struggle bus this morning. Like it, it's uh, it was it was there was not a whole lot of sleep last night. I was angry. Um, there, there, I was thinking about the game. And probably didn't fall asleep till close to two o'clock this morning. Just couldn't sleep. I was just thinking about the game, thinking about what's coming up, thinking about is this something that we need to worry about as Arizona fans with this Arizona basketball team? How could they have changed things? Where things could have gone different? How could they have have turned things around in the middle of that game to win that game? Listen, these are all questions that we will mull over until the team gets back on the hard court, which is this Saturday, of course, against Arizona State 
at the McHale Center at 12.30. That game will also be on CBS. If you weren't uh, fortunate enough to get tickets for that game, you can watch it on CBS. It's the, uh, it's the National Network game there at 12.30. So that should be, uh, hopefully, a good performance for Arizona against a very, very much struggling Arizona State basketball team who doesn't have an identity, has a lot of upset players and personalities in that program, and uh, we'll see how that uh, how that all shakes down. But we are going to talk about the Arizona-UCLA game from last night. UCLA wins the game at Pauley Pavilion, 75-59. to Both teams came out in the first five minutes lighting it up. And I'm like, wow, are we going to see a replay of last year's Final Four game between Gonzaga and UCLA? 93-90 to was the final score of that game. Both teams were just going at it. It was just, it was like, you know, Rocky trading punches with Apollo Creed. It was just back and forth and back and forth, haymakers. And last night for the first five minutes, you know, Pella Larson opens with the three. UCLA comes down, answers with a two. Arizona comes down, doesn't get the best shot, doesn't get the best look, misses the uh, misses a, a two point shot. UCLA comes down, bangs a three home. It's up, they're up, you know, five three. Arizona comes down, they hit a three. Benedict Matherin gets the three. It was back and forth. It was exciting. It was fun. And then somebody slammed on the brakes, and it was not pretty basketball, at least for Arizona, for the remaining thirty five minutes of that basketball game. We'll talk about that coming up after the break because uh, I, I want to make sure that we kind of get into a little flow here. I don't want to just start down a road and then have to stop immediately to, uh, to take a break. I will say this. I, I, like I tweeted it out last night, and people were climbing all over me and like, like I was bad-mouthing the team for looking tired and looking, looking winded out there. It, it's not, it's, I'm not bad-mouthing the team. It happens. They've been the, the model of of conditioning all season long. I have commented on this show many times about how Arizona has just simply run other teams out the building. Like other teams were just gasping for air midway through the second half when playing Arizona. I've talked about how officials, I've overheard officials talking with other people at the scores table, Pac-12 officials saying that we called that time we basically created a timeout for that other team so that they could catch a breath because they're getting gassed out here. Like, mercy rule on opposing teams against Arizona when they're up 35 points and teams just can't get a breath. Like, they literally can't breathe. This is the first time that I've seen Arizona winded. They looked tired. They looked gassed. They lacked energy. And they were. it was starting to break down a lot of the different things that they do well. It's not a... It's people were like, oh, climb, jumping all over me on Twitter. I'm like, hey, settle down. I understand they've been on the road for a while. It's been six days on the road, and they've played three games and this and that. Okay, I, I get it. I'm not saying that's you know the shame on them for being tired. They, rightfully so, they're tired. I was just making an observation. Like, if you're looking for answers why Arizona is not shooting the ball, not playing defense, it's because they're tired. They're not rebounding as well because they're tired. Settle down. Arizona fans get so testy when Arizona's not playing well. I Look, I've lived that life. I've, I've lived amongst Wildcat fans for a long time. It's everybody jump off the bridge into the Rieto as soon as Arizona loses a game. And team, fans were doing it again last night. They were up to their old ways on the social medias last night, just ready to, uh, 
to dump this team into the river. So we'll uh, we'll see how they bounce back. The fans, I mean, um, after uh, Arizona puts a whooping on the Scummies this Saturday at the McHale Center. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When we return, we will get into last night's game, take a deeper look at some of the things that went wrong for Arizona, why UCLA was able to put them away so early and keep that lead, uh, you know, basically you know, be able to hold on to that lead for as long as they did. And with the Bruins visiting Tucson in just eight days, how Arizona could possibly be potentially bounce back and even the score at the McHale Center next Thursday night. All that and a whole lot more. You're listening here on ESPN Tucson to the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. All right, so the Wildcats head into Los Angeles last night, get beat down by the Bruins, 75-59. There's no way around it. Lose by 16 like that. That's that's, that's a beatdown. And uh, the Wildcats, they just didn't play well. I mean, outside of the first five minutes of the game, uh, when everything was kind of hyped, and unfortunately for Arizona, UCLA, UCLA was able to match their intensity in the first five minutes of that game and, and match their efficiency, and you keep it, you know, keep it close. Arizona normally would race out to a big, you know, like they did against, uh, like they did against Utah, seventeen to three, or they did against Stanford, twelve to two. When they come out uh, the blocks like that, they put teams down by double digits, and then it becomes scramble mode time for the other team because they're like, oh man, we're about to get beat by fifty, and they start to scramble, and that's when Arizona's got you. Last night, UCLA didn't panic. Not surprisingly, I talked about it. I think I mentioned it. 11 times on my show yesterday that their starting five is three juniors and two seniors, and they played five games in the NCAA tournament last year. This is a very, very experienced team. They stay cool. They stay calm. They stay collected. They stay level-headed. They play their game. They know their style. They know their identity, even though last night it looked a little different. Like they were, they were kind of trying to play Arizona's game, and they almost beat Arizona in, in a way – at their own game, which was impressive to me, it shows you just, uh, you know, just how good. And, and look, I didn't, I, I think I discredited UCLA a little bit uh, too much yesterday, in my opinions of them. I didn't consider them to be a top ten team. They certainly played like one last night. Now, if you take a look at kind of where everything went wrong, and to, to me, to me, it's simple. Okay, this is this is the way I look at this game, and, and after thinking about it until I finally succumbed to, uh, you know, just complete brain tiredness at around 2 o'clock this morning, um, I, I just I finally rested on the conclusion that Arizona didn't bring the energy on offense and didn't bring the energy on defense, and that's the reason why the score was as lopsided as it was. Arizona wasn't moving as well as they should be as, as, as we're accustomed to seeing them. I mean, if, if your style is to – stand in one spot and wait for the ball and watch, you know, whomever on your team has the basketball, then that's your style and that's what it would look like. Arizona does not look like that. Arizona is a motion, a high motion offense. They work teams to death on the defensive end. Uh, They make sure that teams are gassing themselves, even though Arizona does have the nation's best uh, tempo and pace of play as far as getting a shot off in 14 seconds. It's number one in the league, fastest in the league, fastest in the country, should say. Um, 
but you know they they wear you out. I mean, they they tire teams down. Arizona after the first five minutes just didn't have it. Even honestly, even in the first five minutes, it's not like they were moving the ball with incredible efficiency like we're used to seeing them where they get 22, 23, 24 assists in a game and it's just pass, 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 shoot, bang, and off they go. It was kind of dribble, pass, and then shoot, and it went in. Um, you, you know, one pass, shoot, and it went in. So it didn't look like Arizona early even though they were hot shooting. Unfortunately for Arizona, the the lid got put on the rim, and they stopped shooting the ball well. And in that situation, you have to be able to start moving the basketball, which they weren't doing as well as we're accustomed to seeing. They just they literally were not. And on defense, th- there was way too many easy buckets for UCLA. They made some tough shots in the game. I give UCLA credit. I'm not taking credit away from UCLA. Like I said, they played their tails off. UCLA played their best game of the year. Arizona played their worst game of the year. And that's why we're talking about what we're talking about today. UCLA, to their credit, though, they made some tough shots. Um, you know, Cody Riley looked really, really good offensively. I, I, you could see, you know, over the last couple of years of watching Riley play, you're like, he's got some, you know, he's got some stuff. He's got some juice offensively. He just a lot of times he looks disconnected from the offense. Like he's, you know, he's got all these, you know, guards and wing players. And he's just kind of standing there like nobody's going to pass me the ball. Now. Last night he got involved early um, and scored 12 points in the game, 6 of 11, kind of uh, showed some moves to Christian Coloco and Umar Balo that they weren't ready for, they weren't positioned for, whatever have you. Regardless, um, he looked pretty good in last night's game. Jaime Jaquez didn't even start scoring until the second half. Um, Tiger Campbell, of course, hit a couple of early shots, didn't even score in double digits, but had a huge effect on that game. Um, it was just a, a a really nice, balanced performance from UCLA. And again, Arizona did not play defense good enough to win that basketball game. The defense was just simply not good. And UCLA was able to move freely, move freely about the country. They were able to move freely on the on the hard court last night on the offensive end. They got a lot of good looks. They were able to get some easy buckets, some blow-bys to the rim. Uh, they They owned it. Um, and Arizona was caught flat-footed in several occasions. And look, I, like I said, the team was gassed. The team was tired. The team was winded. And I get it. This was their third game in six days. Guess what, folks? Both teams were playing their third game in six days. Oh, this was Arizona's third road game. Okay, yeah, they were playing on the road. Both teams had to travel to get to Los Angeles, though, and UCLA was coming off a weekend trip in the Rocky Mountains, which is – the toughest road trip, as far as travel-wise goes, for any of the any any of the the Pac-12 weekends, you go to you go to to Utah and Salt Lake, then you get a two and a half hour flight or a two hour flight to Boulder to play Colorado. You're playing in the in the altitude. Then you got to fly from Boulder to Los Angeles. That's not a you know that's that's no picnic of a trip. It's certainly not a one hour flight from the Bay Area to Los Angeles like Arizona did. Now, granted, Arizona played on Sunday. UCLA played on Saturday. Okay, there's, there's, you know, really the only difference there, and the fact that UCLA was playing at home and Arizona was playing on the road. I'm not making excuses. You know, it wasn't like UCLA was just sitting there waiting for them for a week. You know, waiting for Arizona to come in, ripe for the picking. Both teams had played that many games in that many days. So I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and just say, oh, it was all the travel. Arizona was tired. It happens. Okay. It's the first time it's happened all year. 
they looked tired. It happens. That's <laughs> that's just a fact of the matter. The the jump shots were flat. They were coming off the rim, kind of skimming off the rim. There were some of them that weren't even close. They didn't have any support on their free throw shots. You look at their free throw shooting was was really bad last night, 6 of 11. They were hitting shots off of the backboard, off the side of the rim on the at the free throw line like it was just not good. They did not have their usual legs, their usual energy, their usual strength. It's not a condition of, oh, th- you know, this is a this is a problem for Arizona. They've met their match. This is a matchup issue for Arizona. It's none of those things. Arizona is fully capable when they're fully healthy of crushing a team like UCLA. Last night, it didn't happen for them. When I say fully healthy. Azulis Tabellis was out there on one leg. On one leg, I give that dude all the credit in the world. You could tell he was in a lot of pain. He was not able to move like we're normally. I mean, look, I talk about Azulis Tabellis all the time on here, and just how athletic he is, how fast he is at running down up and down the court, how sneaky athletic he is for the guy for a guy his size. He will sneak up on you at how fast he is, how well he runs the floor, how quick his first step is, how quickly he can jump off the floor. He's a freak athlete. Um, and he lost all of that last night. That sprained ankle from the person that I spoke to yesterday is not, it's not good. Like it is, it's a bad sprain. And I give all the credit in the world to Justin Kokoski, Chris Rounds, and the rest of the training staff there, and the uh, the strength and conditioning staff there for getting Zhu able to even just play. What was it? The fourteen or fifteen minutes that he played last night. I was I was incredibly impressed with the entire process, and he did not look the same. He, you know, his first shot he missed that layup by, uh, uh, or missed that that little little five foot jumper by about six feet. Um, he missed a couple of layups. He wasn't able to get up in the air to rebound. Although he did have four offensive rebounds in the game, he kind of was able to use his brain right and and use that rump of his to you know put it in somebody's belly move him out of the way and have a ball kind of fall into his hands in the easy way. That's a lot of, the, you know, a couple of his offensive rebounds ended up being like that. And he affected the games in, in other ways. He had a couple of assists. He had a steal. Um, it, but he he just wasn't, he wasn't the Azulis Tabellis that we're used to seeing out there. Arizona also playing without Kim Aiken again. And I don't want to sit here and make this an excuse, but over time it starts to compound over the minutes and over the games when you don't have someone in your rotation, someone whom you brought in that you gave a scholarship to that is not showing up for your team for whatever reason, and it's very unfortunate of what's going on with Kim Aiken, but you know what? It's also unfortunate for this basketball team that they don't have him. He was brought here because he was the big sky defensive player of the year. He's an experienced player. has played a lot of games in college basketball. He's a big, tough kid, and this team needs him. Like They brought him in here because they need him. And it's really, really unfortunate for both parties that he's not able to be here. And these are all things that start to compound themselves. You got Pella Larson out there playing power forward. He's six foot five. He's a he was brought here to to be a three point shooter. He's brought here to be a sniper. He's playing power forward. So I'm not I'm not sitting here and trying to make excuses for Arizona. They didn't bring the energy when they could have last night and potentially made a game out of this thing. They didn't shoot the ball well. That's on them, all right. That's that is all on them. You don't want to defend, uh, you know, a guy who goes left 
98% of the time you don't want to protect that left hand, that's on you. All right, I'm not making excuses for that. What I am saying is that Arizona was not in a position, and it was a it was a recipe for disaster last night. They're undermanned. They were a little bit worn out. They're a little bit tired, and they went up against a team who was highly motivated and ready to shut up their critics. And they did, and credit to UCLA for doing that. According to the shot chart last night, Arizona missed 12 layups. 12. That tells you a lot of what you need to know about their legs, their finishing ability at the rim specifically. They missed another seven attempts inside the paint. So Arizona missed 19 shots from 0 to 15 feet from the basket. That's not great. Now, they did outscore UCLA in the paint 32-28 to miraculously, but it was um, it, it was it was a, a a kind of a an outlier, I guess I would say. And if you're looking at the statistics, it, it, it won't it honestly won't tell you a lot outside of just the shooting percentage itself. UCLA shot fifty percent from the field, not because they're phenomenal shooters, not because they got hot. Arizona just wasn't playing the defense necessary to stop UCLA shooters, and yes. UCLA seemed like they couldn't miss. And we sit here and we we watch the game like, man, these guys can't miss. There are plenty of times where I watch a team and they're throwing the ball into the air and it's going into the bucket, and you're like, God, these guys just, they're just getting lucky. Last night, that was not the case. And I don't want to sit here and say that UCLA was getting lucky and I don't want to take any, you know, discredit their players away from, you know, from, from what they did last night. Arizona's defense wasn't good enough to keep UCLA under 50% shooting. This period wasn't wasn't good enough. They shot forty seven percent from beyond the arc, and they looked really good doing it. So Arizona's got some uh, got some work to do for that revenge game coming up. That game is in eight days at the McHale Center, so they're going to get their chance real quick. And they only play once until they see UCLA on Thursday. They play Arizona State this Saturday. Should Azulas Tabellas play in that game? I'll have my thoughts on that next. You're listening here to the Jeff Dean Show. Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show. Talking some Wildcat basketball here as they lick their wounds and return home to Tucson. Get ready to take on that school from up north, their rival. Coming up this Saturday at the McHale Center, twelve thirty. Want to see all the fans there dressed in red? Let's go! It's a red out at McHale, so wear red. Need you all there. Want to be supportive of our team after this long road trip that they just came back from? That they went two and one on, by the way, and have just recently just only lost their first conference game of the season and are still in first place in the Pac-12 and still one of the best teams in the country. Regardless of everything that happened last night and the sky is falling, Arizona is still considered to be. Yes, one of the best teams in the country, and they will rebound. They will they will rebound from this. It's not it's not over, all right. Like Mick Cronin said, even you know, I, I think it was like uh, the day before or whatever he was talking with the media. He said that they could potentially play Arizona four times this year. That they may see them. I mean, they're definitely going to see them again in the regular season. They may see them in Vegas for the Pac-12 uh, tournament. And they may, they might even play somewhere down the road in the NCAA tournament. So this is not over by a long shot. 
UCLA won round one. Congratulations. Props to you, UCLA basketball, securing your home court and able to, uh, to take out Arizona at home. We'll see what happens next week. Like I said, the Bruins better be ready for a fight because this Arizona team, and, and Tommy Lloyd has mentioned, has said this word about this Arizona team multiple times. He's used the word spirit. This team has spirit. Now, what does that mean exactly? I mean, you can have your own interpretation of it. To me, it means that this team takes a lot of pride, not only in playing the game of basketball, but being together and doing it their way. And that's kind of what it, what it says to me. This team does not take losing lightly, as evidenced by what happened after the Tennessee loss, the way that they went out and just Start, I mean, they, you know, they, they, it started immediately. I mean, as soon as they got their first chance back on the court, which took a while, they started smashing teams, right? Like, they were out for blood. I believe they'll do it again. And I believe it starts this Saturday against Arizona State. Now, what what to do with Azulis Tabellas? It's obvious that the ankle is not good. He, did, he was on one leg out there. He wasn't able to move very well. What should Arizona do about Azulis Tabellas? Well, I think, you know, right now, as far as as far as I'm concerned, Arizona can continue to play with Pella Larson at the four, especially against a team like Arizona State, who is not looking to get teams into foul trouble. They're a jump shooting team. They just they just take jump shots all day long. Now, they're not a team that's going to turn the ball over a whole lot. And we'll have a full preview for you on Friday of it. But um, they're they're a jump shooting team, and I think you can get away with playing a guy like Pella Larson because Arizona has. Already great rim protection in Christian Coloco, just waiting in case one of those ASU players decides they want to try to attack the rim. Uh, Christian Coloco will be there, or Umar Bala will be there. So I don't think that Arizona has to worry about it too much. I think as far as the matchups go, certainly you would love to have Azulis Tabellis out there because he has feasted on Arizona State uh, last year. He had two great games against Arizona State last year, and you would love to see him back out there again because – Apparently he's got some kind of magic elixir, uh, and it is able to have some uh, have some real good success against the Devils. So you'd like to see him out there, but I'd also like to see him just that much more healthy for the return trip from the LA schools as UCLA and USC come to town the following weekend. Specifically, that Thursday night matchup against UCLA—that's going to be huge. So if if it were me, and and look. I'm one of those people that I'm in favor of people playing. Like I don't like resting players. If I were a a, a football coach in Indiana in the NFL and my team were had already secured uh, the number one seed going into the final week of the season, I'm not Tony Dungy. I'm not going to rest my entire team. I'm going to play those guys probably for a half or more and make sure that they're getting their PT in. Uh, you just you got to have your playing time. You got to keep that that rhythm going. You've got to continue that lather. Um, it's just it's it's one of those weird things. Like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna use a weird analogy here, and I've been known to do this before. This is, this is a strange analogy, but these are the things that I think of when I'm lying in bed at night because I can't fall asleep. When I say working up a lather, and when I say it's important for teams and for players to continue to play, I literally mean working up a lather. If you have one of those shower flower things, I call them shower flowers. I don't know exactly what they're called. I like them because they work up a really nice frothy lather and you get the shower gel and all this other stuff, okay? Whatever those, those you know, multi-flower sponge-looking things are, okay? They're great. 
we, we love them. You can fill that thing up with, with shower gel, right? And you, you, you work up the lather in your shower. And as soon as you hang that thing up, like if you are, like, like if, if you need to, like, wash your head and your face, let's say, at the end of the shower, you want to do that last. And you hang it up, you rinse it off, you go back to use it. All of a sudden, all that soap that was just in there two minutes ago is all of a sudden, like, miraculously gone. Like, where did it go? It didn't fall down the sides of your shower. It just stopped being worked into a lather. And it's hard to get, so you have to pour more in there, right? You got to open up the cap again. Let's pour some more in there just so I can wash my face. It's It's the same kind of feeling in sports. If you just, if you pause for any amount of time other than to rehab an injury, you are doing yourself a disservice. So I'm one of those people that is like, play. If he, if, if he can play, play him. In this particular instance, after watching him play last night, I'm like, no, sit him. It's He needs to be in a boot a little bit longer. He needs another week to stay off of that thing and get him ready for the game next Thursday night because – Personally, I think Arizona will beat Arizona State without him. I don't think they need him to beat him. Uh, they didn't need him to beat. Uh, uh, they didn't need him to beat Cal the other night. Uh, and I don't, you know, they don't. They didn't need him to beat Stanford. He got injured in the first seven minutes of the game. So, uh, the I, I'm I'm in favor of resting Azulis Tabellas at this at this time, just so that you can have him ready for the bigger picture, which is. Going to be a tough set of games coming up the following week. So that's where I'm at with that. We will continue to talk Arizona basketball. As, as I said, look, it's not it's not over, and, and I am not – you will never, ever, ever hear me on this show piling on to a player that's had a bad game. Kirk Creasa had a bad game last night. Everybody knows it. It's obvious. He didn't score. He went 0 for 12 from the field. Didn't have his usual effect on the game that we're used to seeing from Kirk Risa. Like Tommy said in his post-game press conference, I don't think he took bad shots, and I hope he takes them again because he's going to make them. It was just a bad shooting night for a lot of guys. Ben Matherin was 5 of 22, usually about as reliable a shooter as you can get. Ben Matherin was 5 of 22. Dalen Terry was 0 for 5 in that game. Usually, as uh, you know, Dalen's not going to take bad shots, right? Dalen doesn't take a whole lot of bad shots. He picks his, his shots, and he's usually quite uh, quite efficient. He didn't score last night either. So two starters didn't score. And like I said, it's just it was an outlier. Arizona had every, – every team has a clunker. No, no team since the 1977 Indiana Hoosiers, right, has, has not had a clunker. Even the great Kentucky team that won 30 games with Anthony Davis and – they had a clunker. Every team has a clunker. It just so happened that Arizona's was against UCLA in one of the most hyped games of this early part of the season on ESPN when everybody has been chomping at the bit to get their, you know, get their, sink their teeth into that UCLA team because Arizona fans, and I'm right there with you, felt like they were dodging Arizona, like they were trying to get themselves worked into a lather before they got the opportunity to play Arizona. They didn't want to play him straight away right off the break. So this this was a overhyped game in our minds. Arizona got beat, did not play well, and we think the sky is falling. It's not even close to that, folks. This team, we have celebrated how good they have been all season long. Everybody in the country 
knows how good they are, and they will bounce back, and we'll see it this Saturday. And I think, like I said, this team does not like to lose. I think they're going to be out for blood on uh, on Saturday against Arizona State. Be there for it. You want to be at the McHale Center for that. Uh, you won't want to miss that. Uh, all right, we're going to give away a family four-pack of uh, tickets to go see the Tucson Roadrunners this Saturday night. It's Star Wars night. I want you to text the word WARS to 68683. If you want to get in on this drawing, text WARS, W-A-R-S, to 68683. We've got a window here until the end of the uh, 7 o'clock hour for you to text in and register your information to get into that drawing for those tickets. We're going to be drawing those tickets, uh, I believe, on Thursday, and then we'll have those family four-packs sent out to you so you can go and enjoy the game on Saturday night with your family on Star Wars night. It's Tucson Roadrunners taking on Bakersfield. Text the word WARS to 68683. More after this, you're listening to The Jeff Dean Show here on ESPN Tucson. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of The Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. All right, well, Mary's laughing at me now because apparently I'm the only person that has the problem with their shower flower not staying lathered up when they hang it in the shower for two minutes in between rinsing and relathering. Apparently I'm the only one. I don't know. Reach out to me at UAZ Voice on Twitter. Do you have the same problem? Like, I, I, <laughs> maybe, I maybe there's something wrong with my, with my soap or my, I don't know. I'm not dilly-dallying around in the shower. I'm in and out of there quick, man. I got, I got stuff to do. Apparently I'm the only one that has a problem with their shower flowers not lathering, not staying lathered after a too little two-minute pause. All right, so obviously the sky is falling for Arizona. I just got a message on, on Twitter like, uh, this team's been exposed. Uh, okay, yeah, you're right. They've been exposed. Uh, I, what, what do I know? What do, what does anybody know? Really, I mean, it's it's obviously that they've been exposed. Uh, obviously, they've been exposed by UCLA last night. Ex- exposed so much, and things have gotten so bad for Arizona after their loss last night that they were moved down in the Ken Palm rankings from number two to number three. And it's gotten so dire for Arizona basketball that they are no longer the number one NCAA net team in the country. They're number two. They got moved down last night because of being exposed on national TV at UCLA. Give me a break, dude. <laughs> Come on, man. Now, I listen, I couldn't care less. If you've listened to this show for longer than five minutes, you know that I couldn't care less about the AP voters, couldn't care less about their stupid poll. I, don't, I haven't cared about the AP poll in two decades. It's... Obviously, it's a flawed system, and it's nothing that anybody should use to gauge the prowess of a basketball team, football team, baseball team, whomever. Look at the the rankings that matter. Where does this team seed? Where do they fit in when it comes to NCAA tournament time? According to the NCAA, they're the number two team in the country. According to Ken Pomeroy, they're the number three team in the country. That sounds like a number one seed to me. So, obviously, the sky is falling for Arizona basketball. They've been exposed. So says this guy. User 18734. Nice name. (laughs) Come on, man. 
Come out of your hole. Expose yourself. Show me who you are. Tell me who you are because you're spewing a lot of crap and uh, you don't know what you're talking about. Enjoy your, your whatever dark world you're living in. Arizona basketball is good. They ran into a buzzsaw last night, had a bad night, their worst shooting night of the year. By far their worst shooting night of the year. The previous worst was a 41% shooting effort against NAU in the first game of the season. Last night was an outlier, not the indicator. So we look forward, at least I do, hopefully you all do too, to more Arizona basketball victories very, very shortly specifically this Saturday as they host Arizona State at the McHale Center. Where you red if you're coming to the game. We'll talk about more of that game coming up later on in the week. All right, in hour number two, the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame has uh, well, announced its one inductee into the uh, Hall of Fame class for 2022. We'll talk about that and just what an absolute failure the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame is. We still have some NFL to talk as well. Stay tuned. It's hour number two after a quick timeout right here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. From the Casino Del Sol studio, the soul of Tucson, this is ESPN Tucson. KFFN Tucson. KWCX Tanka Verde. KMXZ HD4 Tucson.